Hi, thank you for listening to the Black Chick Look Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Bali. And for this first episode, we are going to discuss Natalie Bazal's Bazel's? Probably should have looked up how to pronounce her name. Bazel's Queen Brazil. (laughs) Natalie Brazil's Queen Sugar, which was originally published in February 2014. So we picked this one because, as you probably know, as all of Black reading Twitter seems to know, that Oprah is going to be premiering a TV show inspired, air quotes, by the book on her channel in September 6th and 7th. So the woman who who did Selma is executive producer... And creator, question mark? Yeah, Ava DuVernay, who has a cool name, but a difficult name to pronounce. Yeah. I, I guess I'm confused as how you can be a creator for something that was not an original source. Like, she didn't come up with it, but... Well, I don't know. Given what I've read about this book, it doesn't seem... Or about the TV show, it doesn't seem to have much to do with the book. So she might be creating it whole cloth, and I say more power to her. Yes, I agree. Well, that's very true. Like, it's, we can go into that in detail later, but I was legit confused at first that this was, in fact, inspired by this book. And, surprisingly, hasn't even aired yet. It has already been renewed for a second season. Yeah, it seem, everything that I've seen, um, you know, pre-release has been just glowing, um, People seem to really like the show. People seem to really want more um, content like this. Um, so I, I, I'm not surprised that it was picked up. I, I am surprised that it was picked up so early. I guess I, I don't know much about like TV and the TV world. I am kind of legitimately surprised that it's already, already been picked up for a second season well, without you know, even airing. Yeah. I, yeah, that is true. The power of Oprah. So, guy that we decided to read the book, and we'll discuss it, because we have thoughts. So um, many thoughts. So many thoughts. Not all of them bad. Some of them good. Many of them bad. <laughs> and I feel that I don't think they're unfair critiques, so at least there's that. I don't like hating on people for things that are unfair. So I think we, we have solid criticisms, and that hopefully when she writes another book, we'll get resolved, and she'll do better. Because I do want her to be a good... She's a decent at least pen to paper, she's a good writer. Yes. It, it, this was her first book? I believe so. I believe this is her debut novel. Yeah, I think it kind of showed. Um, I think that she has a better book in her. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, she'll develop and her next book would be maybe a little more solid. Is that mature. A little more mature, a little more cohesive, a little less Ralph Angel. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so taking that, let's just get into it. So I mean, obvious spoiler alert because we're going to be discussing. We both read it, and we're going to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I think it's safe to say this is not a spoiler alert for the TV show because who the hell knows what's going on there? Yeah. Um, so I will read a synopsis I quickly put together. I'm going to go ahead and say it. This book has so much going on that I'm sure the synopsis is leaving out so many things. But so just a rough draft, like a rough outline of what happened in the book. So protagonist Charlie Bordelone, Bordelone, they're Creole, so who knows? Bordelone. Is that how you thought? I uh, might have listened to the audio book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Bordelone? Bordelone. 
Bordelon. Okay, so protagonist Charlie Bordelon and her daughter Micah have moved to L.A. from L.A. to rural Louisiana to tend to the 800 acres of sugarcane left to her by her father. Crashing with her judgmental grandmother, Miss Honey, Charlie has to learn the business of sugarcane farming, which has long been dominated by white men. She, was help, she receives help from the experienced farmhand Prosper Denton and current farmer Remy Newell, Newell who, later becomes her, who later becomes her romantic interest. Charlie isn't the only child coming home. Her half-brother, Ralph Angel, is also returning to Miss Honey's home, along with his son, Blue. The names in this book, y'all. Um, dogged by legal and money trouble, he hopes, or so we're told, his actions say otherwise, to get a new start at home. He resents Charlie because their father abandoned him and his mother before Charlie was, before Charlie was born. The summer proves to be a difficult one for Charlie. She starts in the red, negative, having to invest thousands in equipment and struggles to find help, the help she needs to raise her crops. After a heavy storm damages the cane, her financial situation gets even worse, leading her to consider selling a treasured statue given to her by her father for money. After Ralph Angel steals the statue and violently confronts his family with his grievances, he is shot and killed. In the end, and I know this is this whole second half of the pronouncement is rushed, but hey, so was the book. In the end, Charlie's farm is saved by a family friend named Hollywood, and she has a happily ever after with Remy. And as I said, this ain't even half, I feel. There was so many threads of things going on. So did you, was there anything you wanted to add to that synopsis? Was there any major plot points I forgot? I think I got the big hits. Yeah, that's about it. There's a kind of villain in the, um, the... Oh. The bitter uh, guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he kind of comes and think, seems like he's going to buy Charlie's farm, but that part was never totally clear to me who he was or what he wanted. Yeah. Or even what his name was. Yeah, he was referred to as, um, he like, they had a name, like a guy who bids up people. Yeah, that was his man. And then it was like, um, he was working for, for the guy. I don't know. We can get into it. Yeah. I'm trying to find well, a list of characters. I, I have the book Alice Chalmers. Alice? A-L-L-I-S. Alice Chalmers. Chalmers. And basically, in the beginning of the book, it's hinted that um he either wants to own that land or he just wants to go out of his way to make sure she does not succeed so he can eventually own the land just to gain more money. And that now that, you, yeah, that was a plot point that could have been further developed. So... So let's get into it. What did you, what did you think of the book? Before we dig down to the specifics, what was your overall opinion? There were things that I liked about the book and things that I disliked about the book. Um, I will say that the information about sugarcane farming I did find interesting. Um, I liked um, her kind of mentor. What remind me his name again? Denton. Denton. Like, I like Denton's character a lot. I like how he spoke. I like how he was, like, very technical technical about this thing that I didn't know much about. Um, and I thought that that was, it showed that she, that the writer had done a lot of research, that she had put a lot of thought into getting the sugarcane farming right. I mean, I have not been a sugarcane farm, farmer, <laughs> so it could have all been completely made up and I wouldn't have known. Um, but I really did like that aspect of the book. I liked um, kind of the world building that she was doing, introducing all the characters, how they related, you know, how class was playing a part of things. I don't know if she 
completely examined how race played a part. We can maybe get to that later when we talk about her love interest. Um, But yes, yeah, certainly class, talking about familial ties, all that stuff was, I thought, well, she made a well-built, believable world. Um, As for dislikes, I don't know that it was particularly well-written. I was trying to find, you know, just some pull quotes from the book, and I couldn't really find anything that stood out where I was like, wow, like, this is just a, you know, well-crafted sentence, something that really made me think, something that was clever. It was more descriptive. Like, she used a lot of, uh, you know, like, uh, she said quietly, a lot of staring happened, a lot of people taking a long time to uh, answer a question, and she seemed to fall back on the same kind of descriptions over and over again, which I thought was a little repetitive. Um, The plot, I thought, was all over the place. Agreed. Um, I thought that there were just a lot of loose threads at the end. I think the reversal at the end, not the Ralph Angel, but the Hollywood reversal, which we can get to, um, was it was it made no sense and it was just like I need to end this and he thought it was going to be a bad ending but surprise here's like you know a literal I don't know you sex a machina basically yeah yeah so th- those are my thoughts I I thought this book had a lot of potential and I think it is like you said really interesting to get a book where you have a woman, especially a black woman, thrown in this situation. First of all, that's a dick move by her dad to be like, you don't okay. get any inheritance. All you get is the sugar cane, which you have no when experience we, raising. When we get into discussing the plot, I really want to talk about <laughs> what was wrong with her father. <laughs> There's a lot. But I do think, thinking about it now, I feel like she actually had two very, like, two really good different stories going on that tried to take place in one book. You have the story of her like this outsider in Louisiana trying to raise a sugar cane, dealing with her daughter in this new environment. And then you have all the sibling stuff with her and Ralph Angel, which itself I feel like could have been a whole separate story. Mm-hmm. Like Ralph Angel actually could have been a whole separate story or maybe it could have been like a family series or something. Mm-hmm. Because I think, and I think that's part of it. There was so much going on. And it was, I think it was interesting. Like Ralph Angel an ass I will go ahead and say but I think she did a great job of getting into his head mm-hmm. and like like yes that's how someone who is like that thinks they think they're entitled to things they think they're they're owed things there are many situations where he's like he has a job on like a, a boat float mm-hmm. as a floater or doing something and instead of paying attention to his job he thinks ahead to like all the accolades and all the how impressed everyone will be with him mm-hmm. for doing this job so that I think she did a really good job but I, I do agree. I think because there was so much and because I guess she didn't want it to grow into be this 500 page thing, everything sort of got wrapped up too quickly, too neatly to a point that there were plot holes and it just was not a satisfying ending despite the really intriguing premise. Mm-hmm. So um, the characters, I agree with you. I think Denton and... There was also, I think, like a sassy aunt named Violet. Sassy is oh, probably the wrong God. word. She wasn't well, sassy. She was just the only one, I think, with any kind of common sense. She was sane. Yes. 
and fair. Yes. So I think her and Denton were probably the two most likable characters. And I don't like to say, I don't like using likable because a character being an ass is not a reason that they're not, a, like you can hate a character and they'll still be a good character, but they also feel the most developed. Right. Because I think it was interesting, Denton had retired. And so like he was done working for like other people. And so she basically pulled him out of retirement. And so there's this little confrontation. Was it his daughter or his wife or his granddaughter? When she approaches Denton to ask for his help with the sugar cane, she has this moment with his daughter where he's like, what makes you think my retired father wants to go work for somebody else? So I thought that was no, interesting. That was that was a completely different woman. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. my. And her name was on the receipt of some invoice that Charlie found in the office. So she goes and sees this woman. She's ancient. And she's like, don't you want to help me? Even though this woman is like very old, very feeble. You're right. Okay. Can't work a farm. And then her her daughter or her granddaughter comes in and she's a nurse. And she's like, the hell are you doing? Like, why are you trying to get my grandma to do backbreaking labor? Like, Charlie's rationale for things. That's right. The fact that I merged those two scenes is, again, a sign. Because I don't think he needed that first instance. I don't think all. so. I don't she think could so. have just gone straight to Denton. Yeah. So, and then I, I agree there were no, like, pull quotes. There was nothing, there were no, like, lines that would be, like, turn, like you would pull out and say, like, yes, this is the best line of the book. Or this is a reason why you need to read this book. So I did go to Goodreads mm-hmm. to see what they had. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just sort of like whole paragraphs of description, as you said, so. Yeah, there was that one that her father said, was it like, don't make people happy twice, once to see you and then once to see you go. And I yeah, felt right. like I've heard that before. Maybe I haven't, maybe that's something original, but it, it, it wasn't. Felt familiar. Oh, here we go. It was like her father said, never make people glad twice. Glad to see you come and glad to see you go. I've heard it used as a really bad pickup line. Yeah, yeah, it didn't, if that's the big quote that I kept seeing, or quotation that I kept seeing over and over again, it just, it didn't feel original or inspired by anything that she did, so. I would like to hear, because you have a lot of thoughts, what were your, so let's get to the, I guess, the person responsible for this entire book. What her father dies and leaves her 800 acres of sugarcane for right. his LA art teacher daughter. Right. For reasons that are unknown to everyone throughout the course of the novel. I, I suppose that they were trying, Miss Honey, the grandmother, was trying to make a point later on that he had to work at a sugarcane farm, I think this farm, when he was a kid. And he was humiliated by the white farm owner. And then he said, I'm going to leave. So he left. And then he goes to L.A. He marries like a wealthy lady who's also awful, but we can get to her later. (laughs) She's less (laughs) awful than some others, though. (laughs) That's true. Um, And then he buys up a, a lot of real estate in Los Angeles and is a landlord and living the high life. And then before he passes away, he ends up selling all of that property and moving into like a tiny studio apartment or something so that he can buy the sugarcane farm. 
and it's kind of like, why not leave Charlie the rental properties? Like, I'm sure that that was a good amount of money, you know. Right. The state in Los Angeles is not cheap. Um, that would have been a really good income. She would have had a place to live. She could have managed. You know, Charlie was not a slacker or a dummy. She was hardworking and really smart. She could have been great at a, as a property manager, as an investor in L.A., where she was near her mother, where Micah was in school, you know, in school and doing her own thing. So I don't. I don't quite understand why he put this burden because he knew it was a burden and he got out of there as fast as he could, why he would put it on his daughter and then tie it up in such a way that would basically leave her destitute if she failed, but also completely setting her up for failure. It reminds me of, because of course everything, I can have a Simpsons reference for everything, <laughs> that episode of Trios of Horror where, like, they're mocking the setup where a family has to spend the night in a haunted house in order right. to inherit the haunted house. And it's like, why? And, like, the lawyer is like, it's a traditional contract or something, or, like, it's, like, a standard standard practice. And it's just so ridiculous. And I feel like if he did it to teach her a lesson, probably, but I don't know what the lesson is. Because as you say, like, with the exception of happening in a novel that needs to have a happy ending, she should have failed. Maybe it would have been more interesting if she had failed. Maybe because realistically, been. like realistically, it just doesn't make sense for her to be able to pull this off right. with no knowledge, no field hands. They say, like as I said, when she comes on, she has no equipment. All the other hired help have already been hired by other farmers. Mm-hmm. Her farm so. is in disarray. It's in disarray, so. And if there's... he was trying to teach her a lesson, I, I don't understand like you said, what the lesson was, but then also why he would be trying to teach her this lesson. And yeah, Charlie, as a protagonist, is not that interesting. She, she, like I said, she's smart. She's a hard worker. She comes home. She talks about the farm. She goes out. She farms. Like, she doesn't really do anything that would make you think, wow, this girl really needs to be brought down a peg. This girl really needs to learn what it's like to work the land like she didn't mm-hmm. she didn't have any sins that needed to be absolved i right. suppose that there was a thing with micah setting herself on fire but Which i don't was, know how <laughs> that was another thing where it's like this could have been its own thing yeah but because every we already have 15 not really but like we already have 15 things going on it sort of gets overlooked Right. Can we talk about Micah for a sec? Because she's kind of easy to overlook, I think, in the second half of the novel. Yeah, well, because she kind of drops out completely, except for, like, the beauty pageant. She participates in a beauty pageant. So, Micah is her, was she 12 or 13? Um, Pre-teeny. Pre-teeny. Yeah. Her pre-teeny daughter, who is not happy about coming to Louisiana, as, you know, any pre-teeny would be, and seems not to really, I don't know, I I can't peg her because she seems not to have a lot of sympathy for her mother she is unnecessarily cruel to her mother <laughs> there's a scene where they're driving to the sugarcane farm and it's uh or they're driving to miss honey's house they're driving somewhere through they're driving another. yeah they're driving through sugarcane and charlie's husband um has passed away mm-hmm. we find out later and left her with not a whole lot um, 
We do find out later that her parents are wealthy. Again, the father had all the real estate holdings. Mm -hmm. The mom had, like, this huge, beautiful house. But they don't seem too keen on helping Charlie out. And she doesn't seem to have a lot in her own name. All she has is the wedding ring or the engagement ring from her deceased husband. Yes. And early on... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, we get the impression that, like, yeah, they didn't... He didn't leave her with anything, but they were very much in love. Like, right. it was she a very happy him. marriage. Very happy. It was tragic that she lost him. Um, she's constantly, like, holding the ring or touching the ring with her twisting finger. Twisting it, yeah. Twisting it around. Like, whenever she gets nervous or upset, it's kind of like a, a security for her to have this ring with her. So, at one point, she and Mike are driving, and... I think Micah asks to see the ring. Charlie gives it to her. Micah holds it out the window. Charlie's like begging her to be reasonable. And Charlie, Micah just flings it out the window. On Um, purpose. It's not an accident. And um, Charlie runs out. She's in tears. She's searching for this ring because not only is it the only thing she has left of her husband outside of her daughter, um, but it's also she was considering selling the ring to make things work on the farm. So not only did Micah destroy her emotionally, but she also destroyed her financially. Initially. And And it's just like... There was no... There was no arc for Micah. Like, she did this horrible thing, and she was like, well, I did it. Yeah. She... It does imply that, like... She... Well, not imply, but she threatens to leave multiple times to go move back to L.A. Mm -hmm. I feel like... And then I think, isn't it hinted like she cusses her mother out in French or something? Yeah. She <laughs> or she, in, she insults her mother in French? No, she's cursing her out because Hollywood, who is Creole, speaks French, like tells her later, like, don't curse your mom out. Like, what, yeah. what's that all about? Yeah, you're too grown to be acting that way. And it like right. sort of brings her down a peg. Right. Um, I, think, I think the whole beauty pageant scene was supposed to be their... Like, they're not, what's the moment? Like, the moment when they come together and sort of resolve their tensions? Like, is it's a way for her to get involved in something? It's a way for her to, like, I guess she sort of makes friends, but it's a way for her to find something that's hers in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. But it kind of comes out of maybe nowhere, because there's this scene, and this confused me, and I thought it needed a little bit more explanation, <laughs> where she was in the bathroom like naked with a Barbie doll and like a bunch of Polaroids and I don't quite know what she was doing in that and then, was she looking at her burns? I think she was looking at her burns but then she had the doll and I don't and know and when you say were... she you mean Micah right? Micah yeah, yeah. Micah was in there um, I don't know if it, they were trying to imply that she was like and again I think this goes to you know, race was a part of this story, but I don't think it was a well-thought-out part. So Micah's looking, she's watching um, Shirley Temple with her grandmother, or her great-grandmother. She wants to be a part of this pageant that only has white girls in it. Mm-hmm. She's naked in the bathroom. Like, I don't know if she was trying to hint at she had an issue with her own identity as a little black girl or if it was solely about the scars, but then all the people that she was looking at and yeah. trying to imitate were white. I I didn't quite understand. Like, did she have a mental problem? I, 
didn't get what was going on with Micah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I can say that for a couple characters, to be honest. (laughs) Um, And so, I guess... So, do you think... So, in the... Let's... I wanted to touch on this because I think it's interesting. In the TV show, as we hinted, like, there are a lot of changes. And one of the changes is Micah is now a boy. I'm assuming the name has changed. Or maybe the name is not. I think the name is the same. Yeah. Do you think... Because I think this was supposed to also sort of be, like, a mother-daughter thing. Do you think that would change the dynamic? I mean, everything else, it probably will. Yeah. Do you think it'll have, like, a big impact on the story? Probably not as big as the other changes, because other changes include Charlie is not widowed. She is married to a basketball player. Right. He's probably there is, making good money. Yeah. There is another sibling, Nova. Yes. Along with... So. Yeah, so it's Nova, Ralph Angel, and Charlie. Right. And it looks like it does not start out in Louisiana. It looks like there are a few episodes that take place in L.A. before right. they move out to the... So... I guess, so yeah, I guess that's probably not a great question because I don't, there's so, I don't, this book and the TV show, I get why it was made a TV show. Yeah. I get why, because there's so many like episodes and arcs and plot lines that they could pull and develop further. Mm -hmm. To answer your question, um, I think it would have made a bigger impact um, changing Micah from, you know, a preteen girl to a teenage boy um if that mother-daughter storyline was really developed like if Micah had more to do like I think we talked about her in the bathroom we talked about her throwing out the ring there's several scenes where she's calling Charlie's mother like begging her mm-hmm. to talk to her and then she grows a big pumpkin and that's about the extent <laughs> of what Micah does like they don't really develop any kind of mother-daughter story or arc or any real beats between them that's because remy so, shows up yeah like, remy shows up he's like he's like i'm here i'm here with a big bag of crabs um, <laughs> or crawdads or something and it, it all kind of goes south from there so yeah to answer your question if micah had had more of a character that was developed yes but because i think she was just such a non-factor especially yes. in the second half of the book i don't think it really will make much of a difference yeah and I I guess the only reason I started asking is because I feel like like I said at one point this was supposed to be like a mother-daughter thing this book is all about relationships yeah a mother-daughter a mother-daughter story of reinvention about an African-American woman who unexpectedly inherits a sugarcane farm in Louisiana but that's not what it's definitely about relationships but there's just too many relationships going on right and it's a little overwhelming right so like there are two other big things i think we should actually there's three i want to make sure we talk about her relationship with remy her relationship with ralph angel and her relationship what little there was of with hollywood okay so whichever one you want to start with because i have thoughts with, on all of them i think let's start with let's go okay let's start with ralph angel because he okay. was a big part of this book Yes. But I don't think he was as developed as he could have been. I agree. Um, I really liked his first chapter where he he and Blue, his son, are driving across the country trying to get to Miss Honey's house. And 
he just keeps messing up over and over again. Like he steals some food for Blue from a uh, like a rest stop and gets caught. Yeah. You find out that he's rented this car and then stolen it to drive across state lines. Mm-hmm. At one point, Blue's like, I had to go to the bathroom. And he's like, pee in this cup. And Blue's like, okay. And then the <laughs> old boy gets just covered in piss. And it's just yes. like everything Ralph Angel tries to do in this first chapter is, it's like heartbreaking because he's just failing so hard to provide for his son. The first half of the book, I think, is all around stronger than the second half. And I agree, he's much less of a... He sort of becomes a very flat villain in the second half of the book. In the first part, he does sort of become like, yes, he's trying. He makes the wrong decisions, but he does not... Like, he doesn't automatically see that they're wrong. He does have good intentions. He just is not... He's just not making right choices. Like letting your kid pee in a bottle in a moving vehicle... Right. It's never a right choice, right? but he doesn't want to stop because I guess he doesn't want to attract attention from the law and right. he just wants to get to Louisiana. So right. I think he, his thought processes are a bit more complex. And then in the second half, he sort of just becomes an asshole. Yeah. Completely unable to figure out why he's doing the things that he does. Maybe yeah. because that's when he starts doing uh, drugs again, but again, that's still... You know, I don't know if she was writing for like a PG thirteen crowd because everything's kind of hinted, really hinted at. Yeah. So it even took me a second to realize that he was back on the drugs because it was so subtle how he started. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because it's like it hints because he steals money from his honey first, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So one thing that I do notice a difference, kind of like you were saying, between. Ralph Angel at the beginning versus in the latter half of the book. At the beginning, you see him trying to be a good dad to Blue. Um, Mm -hmm. In the second half of the book, he's constantly messing up. He's constantly doing these awful things. And Charlie seems to continue to forgive him because he, she says, oh, he's good with Blue. Oh, he's good with Blue. But I kind of thought if your child is always covered in pee, almost getting eaten by an alligator, almost getting run over by a boat, not in school. Like, how good of a father can you be, Ralph Angel? (laughs) In his defense, the child was only covered in pee in one scene. But he did almost get eaten by an alligator. (laughs) He did. He did. Um, Yes, I agree. And I think that goes with Miss Honey. She was constantly forgiving him. And I could not understand why these women, Violet was not, which is why she was awesome. But I could not understand why these women, except for maybe they pitied him. That was the only thing. I did get hints. Like, all the women in his life are always forgiving him and giving him second chances, especially Miss Honey. And I sort of got the impression that Miss Honey felt guilty because, as I said, Ralph Angel and Charlie are half-siblings. They have the same father. And he, he, his, their father got Ralph Angel's mother pregnant while they were in high school. The grandmother would not let them get married. He moved on, met Charlie's mother, got married, had Charlie, and was much more successful. And I think it's hinted that she feels guilty for not having her son marry Ralph Angel's mother, which sort of set him up like he was raised in a single-parent home. His mother wasn't his mother mentally ill. Yeah, his mother, I think it was implied that she was schizophrenic. And I yes. think it was a little bit more that I think Miss Honey had a little bit more to do with it. Her actions are a little bit crueler. 
because she not only told um, Ralph Angel's father to leave, you know, his pregnant wife, she was like, oh, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Just go. Just go. Just go. Like, she Were was they married? Actively... No, they weren't married. Okay. Uh, sorry, his girlfriend. <laughs> she was actively trying to keep them apart. And then when Ralph Angel seemed to need help, you know, especially in the early years, she was just kind of not around. Like, I know right. she says that um, the mother didn't um, want her around, which is understandable because if, I don't know, I had a child and that child's grandmother was saying to the child's father, get out of here, like, leave this bitch, like, you're not going to go anywhere with her. Because Miss Honey didn't also didn't want Ralph Angel and his mother to move to Los Angeles. Like, she just didn't want them. Yeah, she was completely um, selfish about her son and just really didn't want him to have anything to do with his child or the child's mother. Um, And I think because Ralph Angel grew up in that environment, she felt guilty because she sent the father away. Yes. I think that's so. Yeah, and I think that's sort of why she kept allowing him to come back and kept making excuses for him. But it didn't make it, make it less frustrating to read. And maybe right. maybe that's not a fair reason to like it. Like, that is accurate. There are people who do that, like, who they feel bad. And so out of guilt, they continue to enable and allow people to be codependent on them. Right. And I think, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that that is an interesting portrayal of someone that you don't usually see. Like, usually mm-hmm. you see older black women in, you know, fiction or jolly they're giving advice they're someone's like nanny or grandma Mm -hmm. like they're not really evil this honey was kind of evil she was just like she was a mean old lady i think and i don't know i feel like if she had been a bit more developed like maybe if she had expressed some kind of regret for sending him away and regret for constantly indulging ralph angel I would have found her more sympathetic. And if she didn't make the man work for Charlie, who was already yes. struggling, she makes, she tells Charlie, I think with the threats of kicking her out of the home, she says, if you do not allow your brother to work for you, you, you can't stay leave. with me. Yeah. That was the and other, so, that was, I think the most frustrating thing about Miss Heidi. Yes. Because if you just had the thing with Ralph Angel, you could kind of understand she made bad choices. And because she's not a good person, she's trying to cover them up. Right. But her relationship with Charlie took it to another level. Like, at some point, we see Charlie going back and forth from the farm to Miss Honey's house where she and Micah are staying. And, um, you know, she'll talk about her day. We hear it sometimes. Oh, we did this. Oh, Denton said that. Oh, we hired some guys to pull the cane. Later on in the book, when Charlie and Miss Honey get into a fight, Miss Honey throws it all back in her face. And she's like, you're constantly complaining. Like, always talking about yourself and she makes Charlie out to be this like horrible person and makes it seem like just everyone hates Charlie because she's so selfish and it's a completely unfair characterization of Charlie I think yeah she's a bit too bland to deserve all that she's too like there's there's nothing going on with Charlie that makes you think that she's like even an ounce selfish Um, but Miss Honey you really see just it's constantly Dig an intern. Give Ralph Angel a job. Yes, I know he's bankrupted and destroyed every job. <laughs> you know, everyone who tries and to help. Him. Possibly on drugs. And possibly on drugs. And stole all my money. And 
blues covered in pee again, but <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah, it was frustrating to read that because at a certain point, Miss Honey just didn't develop beyond like give Ralph Angel a chance, even yes. in the climatic finale where Ralph Angel is gonna shoot their cousin, which we can get to. Miss Honey. Uncle brother, I hated that name. By the way, I think it was I think it was the prison guard cousin. Oh, John. John, yeah. Um, even when they had a gun on one of Miss Honey's, I think, other grandchildren, she was like, "No, no. Like, I gotta protect Ralph Angel, even if though he was going to shoot them and the children were in the house." She was like, "I gotta protect." So at that point, it became a little illogical, her decisions. It it was unnecessary, yeah. Yeah. And so, and they shoot him in front of Blue. Yeah. Poor babe, this kid. Yeah, yeah. That was, it felt maybe Ralph Angel at the end. So he he steals the statue from uh, Charlie. And when Charlie's mm-hmm. like, I like the day before, she's like, I gotta sell this because we desperately need money. The farm's yeah. gonna go under. We need capital to get us to the end of the year. So I'm gonna sell this statue. Which Ralph is a piece Angel, of art, so it's which, worth a lot of money, is what right. the book implies. Yeah. So Ralph Angel waltzes in, like looks at Micah, because Micah, Micah isn't really shit. She doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then he steals it. He puts it in the stolen car, he gets blue, and they start driving out. Now he's driving around, and he um, sees, he gets pulled over by a cop who um, uh, um, had pulled him over previously when he had been drinking and driving and having sex with a casino worker. And I think was casino- she, Was she a prostitute? I could not tell. She might have been. And was she white? Because I think I was talking about red hair or something. And I only bring that... Yeah, I assume too. And I bring that up because Ralph Angel steals the um, statue because he goes to the farm for a day, fucks everything up, everyone's super mad at him, um, and he finds out that, you know, Charlie hadn't given him this job, even though there was work on the farm, because... In his mind, she's got all these, this white guy helping yes. her, and he, she's sleeping with this white guy. So he Remy. Fly, Remy. So he flies into a rage about, you know, uh, miscegenation. Yes. And um, I just thought, you know, that was an interesting thing where the only relationship we, outside of his uh, deceased wife, who overdosed, is with yes. this white woman. And later he says, you know, Charlie ain't shit for sleeping with him. So he goes, he's driving, he gets pulled over by the cop who spotted him having sex in the car with a prostitute. And um, he has the Accused gun, prostitute. The, the accused prostitute. Um, the cocktail waitress in the, the um, casino where he gambled away all of his honey's money. Um, so he has the gun on the seat of his car, blues asleep in the back, cop pulls him over. And now the cop is, um, you know, less than friendly, um, and he's telling Chris Angel to, not Chris Angel, that is not that name, 
Ralph Angel. <laughs> just, magician Chris Angel appeared in this book. That would have been amazing. But, um, so he's ordering Ralph Angel to give him his ID. He's saying something about the car. Ralph Angel gets really upset. And then Ralph Angel starts reaching for the gun and saying, I have a gun here. Um, and then the cop shoots him dead in front of his child. And it, to me, that all of this came out of nowhere. Like, um, I don't know if it's trying to capitalize on, you know, a lot of things that have been in the news and a lot of tra- tragedies that have been happening. And while I feel like that's an important story, I don't think it was really earned here because A, we still don't know a lot about Ralph Angel. Um, we don't know, he didn't really have a trajectory. Maybe that was a point. Um, but B, because the story never really, really addresses race or racism in the South. Like there's Not, some hints here yeah. and there, but it never seems like, you know, one of the problems that Charlie's facing is racism and, you know, the specific ways that racism manifests against black women in particular. Like it just is kind of glossed over. It's like, oh, there are some white people, but none of the ones you know. Or uh, there are systems that have been in place, but we're only going to hint at it because we don't want yeah. the story to get too real until Ralph Angel is shot is shot his child. <laughs> so it just seemed like a big left turn into, oh yeah, race. Oh yeah, racism is a thing. And honestly, the scene happens so quickly that it sort of feels like, no disrespect to the author, it sort of feels like she was working on this manuscript and like her editor texted her like hey that's due tomorrow and she was like oh shit I gotta finish this because it's like one chapter he's dead the next chapter she gets the money and the book ends and it's all wrapped up and it's it's entirely too fast there's not a lot of room to breathe at the end yeah we don't get really I mean we hear at the end that Blue is basically catatonic because he saw his father shot in front of him and isn't speaking anymore but that seems to be, and, you know, Charlie's, like, kind of upset about it, but there doesn't seem to be any, again, any examination of what it means that you just had this black character shot dead right. at the end of your story. It's just like, hey, this is the thing that happened. I feel like in any other book, that would be the climax. Like, that would be, like, that would be the thing that, like, I don't know, something would happen with the farm, maybe the family lost it because now they've lost, like, that would be the big changing moment. And it's sort of treated like falling action in this book. Like, it's just a thing that happened. Yeah. I don't, what would be the climax of the story if you had to pick? If I had to pick, I would probably say when, I would say when Ralph Angel came in to threaten everybody with the gun. Okay, yeah, and then, yeah. But even that, that happened only two pages Two pages before. And then and like maybe ten yeah, pages before the end, and then he's killed. Right, and then he's killed. Like, there's not a lot of reaction. And the scene where he, so he goes, he comes back after having stolen the statue, and every, Charlie's like, Ralph Angel took it, and Miss Honey's like, no, of course not. Um, she is standing there, Charlie, Miss Honey, I think Violet is there, their cousin, the prison guard, and then the two kids in Hollywood, who I know we haven't talked about yet, but we should get to. He'll make <laughs> me really angry when we get to that conversation. I have lots to say. 
Uh, I think like for you, Hollywood for you was like Ralph Angel for me because I yeah. feel like yeah. Um, <laughs> so they're all standing around. Ralph Angel comes in. He has a gun. He's like, I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> and then the cousin who very sensibly did not trust Ralph Angel and was like, you know, he had this whole thing about Marvin Gaye and Marvin Gaye made everyone around him so sad that that's why Marvin Gaye's dad shot him. And I was like, that's a little rude to Marvin Gaye. <laughs> but um, so I was like, basically, um, I think what she was getting at was that Ralph Angel was self-destructive and anyone who kind of got in his path was going to like go down with him. So he just didn't trust him. I think he was there to help with uh, putting up some storm windows or something. I don't know. Um, And so he tries to get between um, Ralph Angel and the rest of the family. Ralph Angel shoots him. He's like bleeding on the ground. And they decide to, in that moment, tell the story of Hollywood. Oh, and and his part-time job? Yeah. So maybe we should go back and explain who Hollywood is so that we can get to this, you know, his yeah. climax, the climax of his story while, again, the cousins on the ground. Please. So Hollywood, we touched on him at the beginning in the synopsis. Hollywood is a longtime family friend who Ralph Angel is under, is kind of a dick to. Mm-hmm. And he is introduced and in then he comes over to Miss Honey's house to mow the lawn. And he charges five dollars to do this. He is a grown man. He is. It's mentioned speaking. So going off your topic of mentioning race, but not going into it, it is hinted that he is like Creole. He is very light skinned. He's very French Creole, I believe. Like he speaks mm-hmm. French. He would probably, maybe at a different time, be able to pass for white. I think so. And yeah. And so he mows their lawn and he makes $5 for it. And he has really awkward interactions with different family members. It's hinted at in one part that he may have a romantic interest in Charlie. Because I do believe he asked her out on a date. Yes, they did go on a date. Oh, they did actually. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And so she does not return his feelings, which we'll get to later. And so he mows these lawns and he comes back. And then towards the end, after the climax, this is literally the last page of the book. No, it's not the last because there is an epilogue. Whatever. It's the last page of right after right after Ralph Angel has been shot and killed. And so she's sitting here talking about how she needs all this money, $50,000 at least. And he just replies out of nowhere, oh, I have $50,000. Mm-hmm. And he gives it to her. And yeah. like, it's my grass cutting money. Yeah. It's just sitting down at the bank collecting dust. You can have it. You've been a good friend of me since the day you got here. I don't have any use for it. I got everything I need. You don't even have to pay me back. Right. And I'm like, well, damn, brother, where have you been for the entire book? Right. Because was... she has been whining about her money since chapter one. She's been so broke. So, yeah, even, like, the beginning starts with them driving through the deserts outside of L.A. And she doesn't have AC, I believe, which... Yeah. We actually went out into the desert the weekend that I was listening to this, and I almost died. It was so hot. So <laughs> she's in dire straits, and he's just like, hey, oh, you got money problems? Okay. Oh, here's, yeah. She has not, like, this is what pisses me off, and it's like, <laughs> she has not been quiet about her money troubles. 
her her brother is now dead because of her money troubles. Yes, we are she to has gone. Miss Honey, <laughs> she's constantly complaining. She's constantly complaining. At one point, she goes on how she has thirteen dollars in her bank account, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this he had to have known about it. And all of a sudden, he comes up here with like, "Oh, hey, I have fifty thousand dollars in grass cutting money sitting in a bank account. Would right. you like it?" No, no strings, no strings attached. Just take it. And it's the most unsatisfying, most frustrating thing. Literally, the next page is the epilogue, and it's like everyone's happily ever after. And the and like this came to say, and it's think. Oh, I'm so mad thinking about it. I'm getting frustrated because it's it just doesn't feel like this goes to the big of the book. It just doesn't feel like the beginning, the end had as much thought put to it as the beginning did yeah. because. No, that doesn't make any sense. He's been there from the beginning. Why is he just now offering the money? Did like was the death what pushed him over? Did he like finally feel for her like was that some kind of thing to push him to be more generous? I don't get it. I don't I don't, I don't get it at all. Really understand. And Hollywood himself is a little bit uh, He's kind of squirrely. What's that? He's kind of squirrely. Yeah. Like he I kind of pops he into scenes a little bit of a uh, like uh, uh, something going on where he wasn't at, like cognitively. Some, yeah, yeah. I thought so, that as well. You know, he has this uh, movie magazine. I don't know if it's a, I don't know what kind of magazine it was, but um, he keeps it in his pocket. And when he gets nervous, he kind of holds it or he reaches for it. He's always reading it. Which, I don't know, that description actually broke my heart when um, Charlie is telling him that she doesn't really see him romantically. And he yeah. kind of reaches for the magazine. I was like, oh, man. Like, and then she says, but you know what? Let's go out as friends. And I think he says that he wants to go to some place he's never been before. So she's like, okay, wherever you want. He says Sizzler or something. And then they go one town over. And he's just amazed by the salad bar. And when they get back, he's like, I've never been outside of the city before and it was like why don't we talk more about what's up with Hollywood guy I think Miss Honey found him he comes into their lives because she found him he fell off his bicycle as a child um, I don't know what he, he, was up with that he was a pretty pitiful character yeah yeah like and I'm just trying to think like and then I, except for having the money at the end I'm like if he wasn't written in at all, what would change? And I don't think there's anything that I would change. I don't think that there was he, really anything that would have changed. Um, he has no impact on the plot, say, magically having $50,000. From cutting grass, which Ralph Angel constantly says, why are you only charging $5? Which, dollars. out of everything that Ralph Angel said, that was the thing that I agreed. Like, you should be charging more <laughs> Man's got a point. Now, he and Ralph Angel did have a history together. They grew up together. Ralph Angel, when he saw him, was like, my friend. But I think yeah. Hollywood was like, Ralph- oh, no, my tormentor. Yeah, it's implied that Ralph Angel remembers their childhood much more fondly than Hollywood does. Right. And there's an and incident that, that comes up when they are standing over their cousin's bleeding body. Um, Ralph Angel starts yelling at Hollywood to tell Charlie because he knows that Ralph Angel or he know Ralph Angel knows that Hollywood is in love with Charlie to tell her how he Hollywood got his nickname. So Oh, oh yeah. It yeah. Was so painful. So Hollywood is like, yeah, 
we used to work for this guy, I don't know, an older white guy um, doing manual labor, um, Hollywood and Ralph Angel. And um, every day he would take all the boys into his house and he would have them sleep with his wife while he watched. And um, Hollywood got shy, he couldn't do it. And so he started calling him Hollywood. Um, so he makes him tell this humiliating story, like right in the middle of this. That really... wasn't the nickname. Oh, what was the nickname? Peanut. Oh, Peanut. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, regardless of what the nickname was, we don't know why <laughs> they told that story. Right. It was, again, talking about race without really talking about it. It's like, ooh, this other thing happened. But I think I I saw that scene as just another example of like Ralph Angel's, I'm just going to go ahead and call it like villainy. Yeah. Like Ralph, Hollywood is pretty pathetic. So like picking on him is sort of like the equivalent of kicking a kitten. Mm-hmm. It's like he shows up, he's nice. He, he's just, he's like always sort of there to, it's implied that he really cares for Charlie and he's just always sort of there when he needs her. And so he really wants to embarrass him in front of Charlie. So he starts telling this really like, that's a traumatizing story. That's it's an abusive story yeah. about how he was forced to have sex with some woman and couldn't get an erection. And now the name Peanut stuck with him. And he yeah. keeps trying to tell him in the middle of telling him, like, stop, stop, stop. Right. And it's and heartbreaking so, and confusing. And then it just goes away. And then later Hollywood yeah. shows up and is like, I got $50,000. Right. It's like, but well, what yeah, about like, your trauma? This book has 372 pages. That story happens on page 360. It, like that's how quick the that's ending insane to me. Insane. yeah and then Ralph Angel is murdered on 362 <laughs> and she gets the $50,000 on page 365 and then she's like chilling with um, her new boo <laughs> um, in the Remy. epilogue Remy let's talk about Remy I, I don't have like feelings either way towards Remy other than like I don't know where that there's like a it's the he's the romantic he's a romantic lead and he it comes out of nowhere a bit he comes out, like I was gonna say that I cannot remember the first time that Remy has introduced the first memory I have is when he's bringing her a bunch of crawdads or crabs or something and he's like oh, I brought it for you and then I was like I be- who is this guy I believe he is introduced after the when they're at the auction and she's being a dupe and not listening to Denton and letting that one guy bait her he Denton goes and gets Remy and they have Remy do their he has Remy bid for her as like a so like nobody knows that they're connected and so they meet after the auction and she and here like here's all your here's all your property here's all your equipment and so I think he does sort of like flirt with her and like it's very subtle but like it's not it's not even really flirting it's like nice to meet you man he's like polite yeah and then he comes back and he has like seafood yeah just a bunch of seafood and he's like looking at her so he's in her office he gets her the seafood he's like i'm gonna wait on denton you know for some reason he gives her a hat um with like a flap (laughs) yeah he gives her a sweaty hat she's like "Ooh, thank you and then he kind of disappears again for a while characters do that a lot in the story yeah because there's too many of them yeah so she goes on the date with hollywood and then he comes back up and he takes her on another date and they go see this do they see the zydeco guy they see a musician 
they they go to a concert like live they go see live music right and he's like that's my friend and then they kind of dance and they're having a good time and then later he's like um he's kissing her goodnight he's like you're not like other black girls yeah let's talk about their fight yeah so he says that and yeah that's a fucked up thing to say to somebody it's like well what do you mean and she starts thinking like the imagery she kind of picked she was like i'm like that broken down black lady i'm like this old black lady they're all me and it's kind of like it was still kind of setting herself apart like uh she wasn't saying like uh you know michelle obama is black and i'm black and miss honey is black and micah's black and this little girl in the Olympics, a little gymnast is black. Like, she wasn't given a big range of black femininity. She was like, these people that she looked down on are black, and I'm black too. Which, I understand the point that she was making, but again, I think it was kind of a half-formed thought. Um, so she gets mad at him, and then runs off, and he's confused. And we're all confused, we're really, all confused. at this point. What did you think about that? I thought that scene was probably the most direct like that was the most direct conversation the book had about race for all of its here's a black woman coming to the rural south to do a white man like to compete in a white man's business that was the most direct when he said that and she responded negatively toward it and it sort of breaks them up but and so I kind of appreciated that because for the most part like as you said race is sort of skimmed so she says that, and so she says, what he says exactly is, you're not like other black people, at least not the black people around here. It's almost like you're not black at all, right. which I think is a lot different than saying you're not like other, like he says two really ridiculous things. Right. And she responds back with like, she does sort of the, do the special snowflake speech, but I get it. It's like, there is no black experience. And she sort of tells him that. Mm-hmm. And then they stay apart for a while and they quote unquote break up from whatever they were doing they were mostly flirting right and then they see each other at a carnival and then they get back together and it's resolved sort of quickly like it's right. not well violet the aunt had a little bit to do with it because i believe that she tells charlie like you know somebody's a little racist okay. <laughs> she does <laughs> so she she pretty much <laughs> like she pretty much is like not everyone is perfect. Yeah, she's like you know we'll write some so here and there. Sorry, sorry. I was like, huh? Because Violet has been very like pro Charlie the whole time. Don't let people get you down. Like stand up for yourself. But I guess you know everyone has their line. <laughs> and so, so and like yeah. I'm trying to. And I'm going back, so they get back together, and I'm trying to think if they sleep together right after that. I believe they do. So, I they just go to remember the carnival, that... and she sees him with some kids, and she's like, oh no, he's got kids. <laughs> but then he's like, no, these are the, that Zydeco guy's kids. And I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did have a point, because the oldest daughter of the musician was the sugar queen who shows up later. Yes to befriend Micah, befriend in quotes. Yes. Um, so th- there was some like plotting and foreshadowing there. But he's like, no, these are my friend's kids. I was just hanging I'm out I'm just with babysitting. Them. I'm babysitting. Yeah. So then they dance. She... 
Violet takes Micah and Blue away from the Sugar Festival, and um, they get back together. And then, like, they, they don't sleep together right away um, because late, uh, I think the next day, no, okay, so she sees him with the kids, she says hello. Then the next day they come back and they're dancing. Violet takes the kids away. Or they're, at some point, um, they see the sugar queen on her float. And so it's this, I've... what's that? I believe that happens after they sleep together. After. See? And that makes... I'm trying to, like, think in my mind, because what happens is Micah sees the sugar queen and her kind of court or whatever, and it's these young white girls. They're on the float. They're beautiful. They got a sugar crown on. And Micah's, like... She takes a Polaroid, then she, like, flings it into a river, and she's all sad because... I don't know why she's sad if it's a racial thing or if it's because her skin was burned or a little oh, bit old. Yes, then, you're right. So Charlie is like, well, we wouldn't want to be a part of that because that's kind of a racist system. Like, they've always picked girls who have looked one way, but you can be whatever you want. Like, you don't have any limitations. And it's like an actual good moment. Violet says she says some good yeah. things too. So then the next day, they have another day of this festival. <laughs> And the sugar queen actually shows up to the house and she says, hey, I want to hang out with Micah. And so Micah's like, oh my goodness, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and be a part of the festivities. I'm going to go and be a part of the, of the, this court of the sugar queen. I remember the thinking, what's that? It's the 56th annual St. Josephine Sugar Cane Parade. That's it. And I was Very Southern for, name. <laughs> I was thinking for a long time, why did she show up to the house? Like, what? How did she know Michael was sad? How did she know? How did she know? Turns out You're... she was the daughter of the musician. Uh, what's his name? Found out that uh, um, Michael was what's sad. What's her name? Yeah. <laughs> what? The guy. You... Love interest. This is how much of an impression he made on me. <laughs> Remy, you're right. That is what happened. The problem is they happened so close together. Right. <laughs> like, like, it's hard to like be... discern the timeline. Because nothing is allowed out, to breathe. Right. Charlie finds out that um, Remy was the one who set this up. She goes to his house. It's beautiful. He's reading a book in the backyard uh, that they sleep together. He <laughs> like, he's reading a book about flowers and that they sleep together. That's Yeah, that's it. That's right. Uh, the fact that I cannot keep the many, many things that ha- happen straight also telling mm-hmm. like their whole sleep together all i remember is like them describing the floor and like yeah. the architecture of the house yeah which they went in listen i read a lot of romance novels <laughs> and that is one of the weirdest that's probably one of the weirdest like pre getting it on yeah like discussion topics it was kind of cute though it worked i get it yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean we all have gentleman. our yes yeah. <laughs> as you said we all have our lines yeah so then after um, the whole story with Ralph Angel and the epilogue, you find out that um, Charlie and Remy are together. They're raising Blue and Micah, and they're, like, they're playing in some boat. water. Yeah, they're yeah. on a boat. And, like, or on a like, beach. I think they were on a boat. And he was like, everything's good. Bye. <laughs> I just picture, like, a biggie music video and they're just in the ocean so yeah like they're rich they're on a boat there's water 
They're doing great. Yeah. So he just sort of came, like I said, he came out of nowhere for me. And it's another one where, like, if he had been taken from the story, literally nothing would have nothing changed plot-wise. I don't, I feel like she did it because she was like, oh, she needs a love interest. How about Remy? I kind of liked it before I thought before there was going to be a love interest. I kind of, like, I liked the book they sold me on where it's a woman She's in this situation. She has this farm now she has to be responsible for. And she has to learn the skills to maintain it. And then, like, she starts off strong. And then towards the end, it's just sort of unwieldy because we have all these other plot points going on. Right. And it is kind of weird that Charlie, over and over again, is, like, rescued by men or destroyed by men. Like, nothing she really does outside of the sugarcane farming, which she actually turns out to be really great at without any training. Um, <laughs> she doesn't really, like in her personal life and her love life, with Micah, everything else seems to be she needs to experience the world through a man. So like Denton comes, he sets her right on mm-hmm. the farm. Denton and his friend. Um, Hollywood comes at the end and gives her money. And also tells Micah to stop cursing her out. Um, <laughs> French. Remy comes and he's like, hey, you don't have to work all the time. Like, she doesn't really, she goes to a sugarcane farm because her dad wanted her to. She right. has all these issues dealing with Ralph Angel. Like, she doesn't have a that's, lot to do that's motivated by herself. Yes. That's a very, very interesting and very valid point. Like, she is she's in this situation because of men and then she is sometimes taken out of bad situations because of men and it's not very she doesn't have a lot of agency I guess is what right. we're saying yeah, she just she's in this situation I do appreciate that she's going to try the best to deal with it mm-hmm. but she's rescued at every point right and it's like it's fine to have a story about people who are who have these relationships and it's fine to have a story about a woman who has relation, you know different types of relationships with men but it's not the story that people are saying it is. Like, this woman's going to yeah. come. She's going to do it for herself. She's going to make her own way. That That's not the story that this is. Yeah, it's Even not It's, it's not the story we were sold. Way. Yeah, like the mother-daughter yeah. thing. It was more like um, a father-daughter with her and Denton, honestly. I Did we talk? really much about her relationship with Denton. I know we talked about him, but did we talk about them together? Because I really liked Denton because he was really, like Violet, one of the only ones who, like, had any sense, who was any sort of reality, was grounded. And it would have been interesting, I think, as I said at the end, if they had tried and still failed. Right. And, like, he was like, that's what farming is. Sometimes right. it's nature. It's It's beyond you. Sometimes you give it your all. Right. And you still can't make it work. And I think that that message would have dovetailed really nicely with um, Ralph Angel's message. Like, sometimes you try. Yeah. You try with your kid. You try to be a good husband. But there are other forces that are working with on you. You know, the drug dependency, the um, way he dies that are just going to come and you have no control over that. But... Mm-hmm again, that's not the ending that we got because they all got saved at the end by Hollywood who just happened to have all the money. I, you have no, like, there are no words for how angry. <laughs> no words. Because it's like, oh, I have $50,000. Two more paragraphs and the book is over. It, it 
And so, and it's kind of jarring because I don't want to dump all on this author's book, but it feels like it's written by almost two different people. Like the beginning was set up so well and she did her research on the sugarcane and all this. And then you have the second half where it's like sort of, yeah, just rushed and shoved together. And it's like, I can't tell. I don't think she's a bad writer. And like, as we said, I think she could mature in something better, but I just do not like, I just do not think this was the best example. Maybe it needed a better editor. Maybe. I think basically we were in agreement. The plot was too rushed. The, most of the characters were unlikable. And the prose was- Or underdeveloped. Was, or underdeveloped, yeah. Or like, yeah, unnecessary. Yeah, or unnecessary. Too many, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the prose was, Nothing special, but not the worst. I think that's a good good way way to to put it. It 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 was a story I want to see more of. I want to see more stories about all different types of black life in you know modern black life. But I would like to see them done better. And I will say, like going off that, the TV series will probably be amazing because TV you have the time to develop all those weird subplots. Right. Even though I don't why, know why they needed to add another character, we had plenty of characters. That's plenty true. of characters to go around. We did not need another sibling. That's true. But I think seeing what Ava Duvernay is, yeah, I read things. I don't pronounce them. <laughs> but seeing I what might she's not done be with, <laughs> seeing what she's done with other work, and seeing like mm-hmm. having the chance and time to flesh this out, I think it will at the very least should be a decent TV show. It should be. Now, with the Oprah element, it might be a little sentimental. Um, yeah. Which I don't think this book needs. I think it needs a little bit of a harder edge, this story. Um, but we'll, we'll see. A bit more reality. A, bo- a bit more reality, a bit more, like, actually calling issues out instead of just kind of saying, well, it's like, yeah, really like, we can't perfect. all be perfect. Sometimes right. you're just a little racist. Right. Uh, so would you recommend it? I would as like a summer kind of quick read. So like I said, I read it or I listened to it as an audiobook, And um, I actually really liked the woman who read it. Um, I'm going to look up her name. I should have had that up. But she did... Um, I don't know, I really like when they do the voices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I thought that um, it was it was kind of a good commuter book, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, something where you kind of listen to here and there, where you are um, uh, engaged a little bit, but it's okay if, you know, you kind of wander because there's a lot going on. Um Miriam Miriam Hyman was her name who read it um, so I thought she did a really good job I thought it was um, something good to keep your interest like for a little bit but I don't think it was the roaring success that I think either I've seen it recommended as or people are hoping the television is shows Right. I think I think the TV show is probably doing it a favor, giving it a bump. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I would say if you're interested, like if you're really excited, like I've read worse, if you're really excited about the TV show, mm-hmm. read it. And if you're really, like if the 
idea of like southern fiction black women in like rural situations kind of thing interest you read it i don't think if you just wanted to jump right to the tv show go ahead and read it yeah i don't think you'd be lost and i even think maybe i don't it kind of reminds me their eyes it kind of gives me their eyes for watching god vibes i don't know why and i feel like if you're gonna go for that just go read that one yeah so so yeah, I, I do agree. I support the fact that there are writers out there who are doing different things and writing different types of books and doing different situations. Mm-hmm. So, and if you want to support more of that, I don't know, you may like it. You may love it. I just, the ending was too unsatisfying. Yeah. So, so, okay. So before we leave, I'm just mm-hmm. what are you currently reading? Oh, good question. Um, So I recently got super obsessed with um the uh a song of ice and fire books um <laughs> i don't watch game of thrones <laughs> i tried watching the first season and i got really confused and fell asleep for a long time <laughs> while some of them like binge played so i woke up i was really confused but i got really really into the books. so in the past i would say month i've read all five of them i'm on the oh wow last book right now about halfway through and um yeah they're great they're they've got some issues there's um not a small or not an inconsequential amount of incest in them um yeah i've heard about that but they are they are really well written and i think uh well maybe not written but really it's a good plot. It's really good world building. There's a lot going on. And it's just kind of interesting to see how he's doing it as a series and keeping the um, technical aspects of keeping track of all these characters, a timeline, weaving all these stories in and out. Kind of how I think if Queen Sugar had been allowed to breathe and have space, mm-hmm. if it were a series as well. She could have developed these characters. We could have seen what Charlie uh, Charlie was doing, what Ralph Angel was doing, something else. And I think it's just interesting as, you know, someone who loves to read and someone who loves to write to see it done. Um, uh, a so story of that, scalp, of that scope done well. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm currently reading. How about you? I, I'm currently reading a couple things. Two of them are really embarrassing. One is one. I'm still reading an Untamed State because... Oh, that book is yeah. brutal <laughs> so like I am taking my time one book I'm super embarrassed even more than that one to admit I'm reading is a Star Trek novel <laughs> called The Never Ending Sacrifice inspired by this episode which is a really interesting episode so there's these two alien species and one of them um, sort of brutally occupied the other for 50 years and then they pulled out mm-hmm. And so what happens is one of the children of the oppressors is adopted because they left a whole bunch of children when they pulled out is adopted by a fam- by the family of the family who was part of the occupied planet. And so there's a big custody battle and he is told he has to go back to his biological parents mm-hmm. on who he sees as brutal brutal occupiers and brutal murderers and so it's really interesting on that kind of part. Yay science fiction. Yeah, and no, then, it kind of sounds like a like a blood child esque mm-hmm. story. Oh, it sounds interesting. 
it's interesting too because the episode was clearly written by TV writers and this book is written by a novelist. So it's like it's just interesting seeing how they handle those kind of characters. And then the last one I'm reading, which is probably the most respectable, is The Book of Harlan. Which um yeah, it's by Bernice McFadden. Why am I so terrible with names? And it's um two so it's like takes place during World War Two and two African American, I guess, jazz musicians that are captured by the Nazis and put in a concentration camp. So it's yeah, so I haven't gotten too far, so I can't really go depth into the plot but like the premise sounds interesting Mm -hmm. so and I don't yeah I don't know if it was based on a real story but Uh I mean it's perfectly possible I know there are black GIs who got taken into POW camp so so that's what I'm reading awesome so I think we were thinking of did you want to do this again for our next pick maybe another Brooklyn was your pick yes that was gonna be my pick um I know that everyone's talking about um underground railroad um and not <laughs> underground airlines uh, oh god surprisingly I kind of feel like we should hate read that one and then talk about it because I feel bad hating on it without having <laughs> well, yes, I won't pay we, for it I'll tell you that we do have a website and someone shamed us for <laughs> judging the book without reading it and, you know, how brave he was. I mean, so it, fair. it's a possibility. Yeah, but I yeah, will not pay for it if I read it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of in the, after all the blood and gore and fighting, um, I'm kind of in, in the mood for something a little, you know, a little homier, a little, like, coming yeah. of age, you know? It's school starting. Think back on my youth. Yeah, I think um, another Brooklyn is going to be my pick. Sweet, and so that is by Jacqueline Woodson. Yes. So, so pick it up. It. You out there, if you're listening to (laughs) whomever is listening. Whoever. We promise. (laughs) We. Hopefully, the next episode, like we're working the kinks out, so the next one, will be on it. Like we'll know each other's speaking patterns better we'll know each other's like we'll get it we'll get into a groove eventually yeah yeah and I it was fun you know reading it and I think this is a good pick for our first book because it wasn't something that was awful but it wasn't something that we just were gonna sit around and rave about for gush over yeah yeah so alrighty so thank you for joining us um I think that's it if you want to follow us we're at black chick blackchicklit.com we're also at blackchicklit on twitter yep. and that's that's pretty much it thanks for joining us yeah